show. You know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. And uh, what matters to me? Well, tonight is the night, not trick or treat, but tonight when they are going to introduce uh, college football playoff standings. And uh, after last week, you know, I'm, I'm anticipating that the Ohio State Buckeyes will be in the top four, although some other people have got it out there a little bit different. Their anticipation is that uh, it will not be the Buckeyes. I think somebody even had Wisconsin someplace up in there. Uh, others had Notre Dame, uh, Clemson, um, but um, they, they left the Buckeyes out. But uh, I'm not going to leave the Buckeyes out, as you can see. Uh, it's right at the start of the show, something that uh, I've been anticipating talking about. Last week, uh, Willie and I started to touch on a little bit, and I believe my man Willie is there. Willie, you there? I'm here. So, uh, them Buckeyes, man, they did not let us down. Listen, in the words of that great orator, James Todd Smith, don't call it a comeback. We've been here for years. This is what Ohio State does. It's, not, it's November, and I know that game was October uh, 29th, but this is winning time. Ohio State... They build, they build, they build, and you see performances like that towards the, the middle and end of the season. Well, one thing I, I'll say, because you know that I early in the season I had been a critic of JT. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. When you, when you look good, you look good, you get the praise. And uh, when you don't um, look good and you don't play up to uh, what the projected potential has been, uh, you should expect some criticism. I think he handled it like a man. He played under pressure. And th- these are signature games. Th- these are signature games. You know, when you look at the schedule and, and, and you go up and down and you see, okay, well, hey, this is going to be a tough one right here. Uh, this one, you know, you can go ahead and check a, a W on this one. Um, you know, this is one of those signature games where we didn't, you know, going in, a lot of people prior to the season didn't even once the season started. And certainly once the game started, that being the first play of the game, we weren't sure how it was going to turn out. But uh, and as you look back on his career, this will certainly be, this may be his signature win. But this will certainly be uh, one of them that will go down. Um, I, I started having problems. I, I can go back to whew, <laughs> a few games ago uh, back in the last season where I started questioning a little bit. But things happen, and, uh, you know, good players and great players, what they do is they pay attention to their progress, and they go back, they critique it, they fix it, and they come back, and they perform. And, and I think that's what he did. He, he took a look at uh, the criticism himself. You know, he knows when he throws an incomplete pass. A pass. He knows uh, when he throws an interception. Um, he knows when he doesn't, uh, when he you know, held on to the ball and he should have let the running back take it on the option reads. Every, every mistake he makes, he knows before any of us know. And, and I think he's honest with himself. So, um, like I said, I was a critic, but I'm, 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 I'm back on the bandwagon. And you know what, right? The, the good thing about T.T. is he blocks the noise out, whether it's good or bad, whether you criticize him or you praise him. And that's one of his... Uh, strengths that he's, he's exhibited throughout his, his entire career here at Ohio State because they have been naysayers from day one. I mean, he when he got the job, he was the backup his redshirt freshman year. 
when uh, Bryson Miller uh, blew his shoulder out the Monday of the Navy game, opening opening week. He uh, blew his shoulder out, and JT Barrett became the starter. And all he did was go out and set umpteen Big Ten records that year. And there was criticism the next year when he fell off a little bit. Uh, Jay, uh, uh, Cardell Jones came in after the uh, injury against the team up north and led the team to the national championship. So he's always been getting the, the criticism. And, I mean, he, I mean, he had a... The, the game, you look at the game, he had a phenomenal game, but he had a, a, a fourth quarter for the ages. I oh, yeah. He was 13 to 13 for 170 yards and three touchdowns. Some quarterbacks would take that for the game, and that was fourth quarter on Saturday for uh, JT Barrett. I, I, I thought it was 16 um, complete well, passes in a row. Like, yeah, he completed his last 16 passes right. in the game. Right. But in the fourth quarter alone, 13. He was 13 to 13. Yeah. And there's no doubt about it. He has he has he has improved tremendously. Uh, but you know, when you look at JT and you compare him to some other quarterbacks that have, whether it be at the Ohio State University or whether it's been across the nation, uh, you know, he may not be. There may be some aspects of their game that may be a little bit better than his. That they may look more athletic than he looks. Uh, JT at times when when he's running, you just think he's going to stumble. He's going to trip. You know, he he may not be the greatest athlete in the world, but he is a great a great performer, and and that's all you need to do is is perform. At the, I mean, right now, you know, everybody says Tom Brady's the goat. Never going to see a comeback ever again in any sports. I do not believe. I don't know. The other night though, the baseball game lived up to it very close to it, but because it's only one game and it was the. Super Bowl, you've never seen a comeback like Tom Brady perform for the New England Patriots when they came back and beat Atlanta. You know, but yet and still there are some people that are saying even this year that, uh, you know, quarterback to quarterback, that Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. Some people feel that way, you know. To, to, the, back, to, the, to, the, to the comeback piece, I think sometimes we're, we're uh, prisoners of the moment. I know we got a topic down the line talking about prisoners. That's kind of a tease for the people out there. I know sometimes people are prisoners of the moment, but I remember, uh, I think it was 1990, Warren Moon, uh, Houston and Buffalo in the wild card game. He brought him back, uh, I think it was Frank Wright, brought him back to 38-3 to deficit. He won. So, I mean, we've seen comebacks. I mean, Tom Brady, I think, you know, that adds... Yeah, but that was, that was, a, that was a, I think that was the AFC playoff, uh, the AFC championship game, right. I mean, it's the, it's the biggest stage that there is in sports was the Super Bowl. And that's one thing about it. When you, when you, great players become great players because in the biggest games, they have their best performance. And I think that's what JT is showing you is that, you know, these are, these are, that was the number two team in the country. Ohio State was number six. Well, Ohio State started off at number two. But the fact of the matter is when a game counted the most, he was able to perform. And that's what you, you don't want your superstars fading out. You know, when no. the game's on the line, you want him to show up big time. You know, that's what you, those are people you go to. And, and he's, he's shown that he's got that ability to do that. Exactly. That's why we, we discussed earlier in the season. With the exception Third. of the Clemson game. We've we got to remember that. Well, well, and the yeah. Michigan game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Michigan, he, he, threw a, he threw a touchdown pass and double overtime to win the game. Yeah, yeah so, we, okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, but again, to, to, to address... JT and, and everybody that knows me is is probably uh, uh, 
having their eyes wide open right now. They don't believe I'm, I'm giving him the, the praise and the credit, not the praise, but the credit I'm giving him. But two, they know in his defense, if you will, he, this is, a, we discussed it earlier in the season, his third offensive coordinator. I mean, every year he's had a different offensive coordinator. And so that's, that involves under the new system. So that's why you have in the Oklahoma game, you have those hiccups and you look at him and you wonder why is he doing this? Why is he looking like this? But now, six weeks later, in the Penn State game, he has probably what some are calling the best performance of, of from a quarterback in Ohio State history. I mean, when you look at his numbers, not just the fourth quarter alone, I mean, 33 of 39, uh, 328 yards and four touchdowns, he has four drops. So you take those four drops away, he was 33 of 35. And then he also added 95 yards rushing on 17 carries. So it brought them back from 18 points down twice. So when you look at it in totality, I mean, that, I mean, he's a, he's he's an anomaly because people always want to criticize him and and say what he's not doing. But you look at his numbers and it's like he's he's career leader in every statistical category for a quarterback here at Ohio State. Yeah, and you got to look so, at uh, but how many you know he said he had the opportunity like this. He's he's been a three three-time co-captain, so he's been in the yeah. starting lineup, you know. He's had the games to accumulate those statistics. Wasn't wasn't Arch Leister a four-year starter? Yeah, I guess you can call him that. But, uh, and he, that's who's record. I said, but that's a different. That, you, you and I know that's a different. Art was balled in for the first time that we were trying to adapt to a passing offense. You know, Woody had been at three yards in the college dust. That was the first time Woody mm-hmm. ever had a quarterback that you consider would Woody would allow him to throw the ball on first down, or mm-hmm. or maybe you know three out of four downs. You know, possibly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it completely different. You know, these coordinators and, and the way they play the game today is completely different than we played the ball. We played the game. You know that was in '78. I think uh, was Art's uh, start against Penn State, and he he threw I think three interceptions. Pete Harris, uh, no, Pete Harris himself had three interceptions. He may have thrown four, mm-hmm. but uh, certainly no. That, that, that we we didn't play the wide open offenses that's played now. So I, I would uh, that comparison, and that's why I don't like. Uh, many times I don't like to compare athletes of, of different generations. Now I can just look at their athletic ability. And I can compare that, but in terms of their stats and what they were able to put up, what they were able to do, you know, that that's something that that's just a little bit different. Yeah, I, I, I again only bring that up to say that that's whose record he broke was our Schleister's career passing record. So he, I mean, yep. everything has been put in front of him. He's he's conquered. Yeah, Art probably, uh, you know, if he broke Art's career, you know, probably the quarterback closest to the, playing as many games as Art did as a starter may have been uh, Cornelius Green prior to that. And I don't know if Corny started uh, three or four years um, or uh, I, I know he started, you know, two or three for sure. But, again, Corny was running. He wasn't passing as much as Art was passing. We, we brought in a different coordinator. In fact, Art's head coach from high school came in with him. And he was the offensive coordinator. So that's, that, that's a little bit different. But let's give JT his props he deserves. And that's what I want to do. I'm, I'm giving him the credit. You know, there's nothing, it, all, it goes with the territory, you know. If you're a running back and you're having a good game and, and you, you fumble the ball, then, you know, you're going to get – if you're a defensive back and, and you get beat, you know, hey, it happens. Uh, when you get your interceptions, you know, when you score your touchdowns, you get that credit and – 
uh, it's just, you know, it's factual information. Um, that, that's all we're doing. And, and I'm, I'm certainly, I'm happy. I'm happy as can be. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, if, if he's going to go on and play at the next level, it's going to be a lot of scrutiny he's going to have to be. He's going to be under. And uh, things happen. When you get a chance to play, you just, they expect you to play. They expect, he's expected to perform. I expect him to perform. I don't want to make excuses out here in Arizona as to why we didn't win a game. Our quarterback didn't play. He had three, three different coordinators. I, I, they don't accept that out here, <laughs> you know. Hmm. Uh, hmm. J- just win, baby. That's all we want. And, that, and that's all he's done since he's been there. Yeah, that's right. You, 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 you got it. You got it. That's right. You got it. He's, he's been doing it. So uh, we're right back in the conversation. We got to take a break now. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Got my man Willie on with me. We'll be right back after this message. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. You bet.com's playing to win presented by the daily racing form. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the daily racing form or click on playing to win at you bet.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. What matters? Well, I can come on the show and uh, be happy. I told you last week I was going to be the homer that I am. I was rooting for them Buckeyes. They got the job done. I got my friend on the line from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, friend to the show. Keith is on with us. Keith, I know you're a big Penn State fan, man. I know it was a great ball game. Uh, but off the air there, you said something that was uh, extremely important to the game, and it was a strong fourth quarter by the Buckeyes. Did you enjoy watching the game, and uh, how disappointed were you and a lot of Penn State fans back there? Absolutely thrilled by the whole game, and yes, I have to give it to, to the Ohio State guys in the fourth quarter and the last five minutes of the game. Offense and defense really rose to the occasion. Uh, I just wish the game had been maybe five minutes longer. Give Penn State one more shot at it, but it didn't work that way. Well, you know what? I I, I want to 
you know, speaking of giving credit where credit is due for Ohio State, and Willie, I want you to chime in on this too, man. Uh, we got to give Coach Johnson a lot of credit that he deserves too, man. That defense played their butt off all game long. Uh, they they shut my man down. You know, if you take away his kickoff return, uh, I, I certainly didn't have a hundred yards rushing. I think I doubt if he had fifty. No, uh, you're right. They shut him hard. down. Yeah, Barkley did. Yeah. Um, would he have fifty? No, he had 21 carries for 44 yards. But yeah. in that, in that he had a 36-yard touchdown run. So you take that out, 20 carries for eight yards. Yeah, we we, we but we can't take that. I I don't want to take that out because I know you get one. But you know sometimes you know that, that's just how things work. You know it could be one long pass for you know 70 yards, and you know homeboy ends up having you know 200-yard day passing. But one of them was 70 yards. It is what it is. So, but I'm just saying that. The majority of time, they were all over him. They knew what their game plan was going to be to run that ball, at least try to run the ball. And uh, Coach Johnson had his boys ready, man. Them big boys, they, they lived up to, again, to their billing. Everybody thinks it's the best defensive line in the country, the way it's built to be. Um, certainly get that kind of, uh, you know, talk from the big boy shows on ESPN. So, uh, Keith, what do you think? That defensive line, did they show up that day? Did that... Uh, have a little bit to do with the performance of the fella over there? I think they gave you 64 minutes, and that's what really counted. Like I said, they really rose up in that last five minutes of the game. Uh, I mean, they really rose up and, 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 and really put it to the offensive line and really stapled them when it counted. And I think that's what gave the Buckeyes offense that chance to get that last touchdown that they needed. Well, were you surprised Penn State didn't try to make any kind of adjustments as it, as it pertains to its, to its running game, maybe do a little bit more play action or something because the run wasn't working for them? Um, I think the Penn State did what they felt they could, they could do. Uh, and uh, it was just a good game plan on both sides. I mean, they executed to the best that they could. Defense matched them stride for stride. Uh, yeah, they took... Uh, Barkley out of the game, but you knew that was going to happen at some point in time. Uh, Penn State's got some receivers. That's something they never have. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Hey, Willie, what you think about that? They, I, you know, one thing about the players play, coaches coach, and coaches need to make adjustments. And, again, Barkley was getting stopped all the time when he was running. He was getting hit in the backfield. One of the greatest plays I re- always remember was when it was down and, um, you know, they had their backs up against the wall. And the Buckeyes came in, and, you know, my man ended up tackling both him and the quarterback at the same time. They, they, they were in the back, back foot before he could hand the ball off. Right, Sam Hubbard. But to, to your question, I think they did. I think they attempted to because if you look in the second half, there's a lot of tracement sorting runs, but I don't think those are design runs. I think they were just quarterback keepers because the defense and the corners stepped up and there was there was no open receiver down the field, so it forced him to to scramble and try to, to make some, something out of nothing. So I think they attempted to uh, to adjust a little bit once uh, Saquon Barkley wasn't able uh, to get off as he as he typically has this season. But I think Graciano, Larry Johnson, that defensive staff of Ohio State just had an answer for him at every turn. Keith, as you were sitting there uh, watching the game, were you hoping that Penn State would, would try to pass the ball a little bit more, or you just thought that eventually the running game was going to come through? Um, like I said, Penn State, for once, they've got receivers, and uh, I think they used them to the best uh, that they could once um, they saw Buffalo was being taken out of the game. Receivers did pretty well. Um, There's two drops by 84 killed me. I can't, I can't play any more than that. 
Yeah, he did. Uh, uh, he, he dropped a couple big passes. You're right about that. Yeah. We, we mentioned a couple of Buckeyes dropped some passes that were important to us as well. But uh, all in all, I think it was. I think it was a great game. Um, I think the year uh, previously, uh, they ended up uh, winning by. Was it a point, or did they beat us by more than a point? Either. No, last year they. Go ahead. Well, you got the answer to that one. Yeah. No, last year they beat us probably four. So no, it by, wasn't. By, they by beat four. us by more than that. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we got we got some things coming up in terms of the rankings, and um, I'm I'm looking that the Buckeyes will certainly be uh, someplace around three or four. Uh, interesting mm-hmm. enough, I, I don't know if you guys saw uh, on the on the Big Boy Show as I call it. Uh, my old coach Nick was on there. He wasn't too happy. I guess they wanted to know what his concern was going to be about the um, the rankings as with the college football playoffs and who was going to be one, who was going to be two, or whatever. <laughs> you know, and Nick uh, wasn't too excited about that. You know, he didn't he didn't really care about that. He knew he had uh, about four big games left that he had to take care of, and uh, didn't care about that. Figured it'd play out. You know, uh, when it all you know mattered, that uh, it would play itself out. Um, either you think that uh, let, let me start off with you, Keith. You think uh, Alabama will be at the top, or you think that Georgia will be at the top of the? Uh, uh, I think Alabama is still going to be at the top. Yeah. Um, what, what about you, there, Willie? You think? What do you think? Same thing. You know, what? I, I think it doesn't matter, and I'll tell you why. And I, and I agree with Nick Saban. You know, don't tell my Buckeye friends that, but I, I agree with Nick Saban because the year, the first year of the college football playoffs, the first ranking, the first set of rankings that came out. Ohio State was 16th. Ohio State ended up four in the final ranking and won the national championship. So right now, I mean, one, four, five, six, sixteen. I don't really think it, a matter, it matters a lot right now on October 31st. The only one that really matters is December 3rd after the conference championship game. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the ilk of uh, of uh, Nick Saban. That, you know, it's great TV, great banter, great debate, but you know, it's still five games left in the regular season, in the season. A lot. Well, I, I would say this. I, I, one reason why I'm sure uh, it doesn't make a difference to Nick because he knows he's going to be within one or two. Uh, but certainly uh, to some of those other teams, it, it matters because depending upon where you are, uh, only so far you can come up, like you say, Ohio State came up from 16 and end up, uh, you know, going to the playoffs and then into the national championship and beating uh, Oregon, but um, it doesn't always work out that way. But I think Nick's in a, a position where he knows that his team is there. So for him, you know, it's a conversation that needs doesn't need to be had. You know, we, we're there somewhere, and and we'll be there in the end, provided we take care of our business. So, uh, but I think for some other people, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, I don't think of at this point in time, if Ohio State was like a ten or eleven, I don't think we'd be talking about coming up. You know, based upon our schedule, coming having the ability to come up and be in the, you know, in those four that they're looking at to go to the playoffs. So I'm happy that we are where we are, and uh, and again, uh, Nick knows that he's got a game at the end. He, he got a, a date with Georgia. That's you know, perhaps maybe could you know, whew, because of the timing that it happens, uh, there could be a chance that he you know, depending upon what the loss looks like, if they lose. For the first time, he might be home for a long time. What do you think about yeah, that, Keith? I'd be glad if he was home. <laughs> that much. Um, I'm not sure that he's going to be, though. Um, you know, I'm still looking at Clemson. 
for all the reasons that you're aware of. My daughter went there, and uh, I'm glad to see they rebounded. But uh, it's going to be interesting as we uh, get to the closing stretch. There's some strong teams that are making the statement, including Ohio State. Yeah, I, I think uh, you're right about that. Uh, uh, Clemson's in the conversation. Clemson's in the conversation. Of course, uh, uh, reigning national champions uh, deserve to be there. If it's a question mark, I think they get the benefit of the doubt. Um, but there are a couple other people. Notre Dame, they got one loss on their schedule, but uh, uh, they've looked good uh, here recently. Any, any surprises? Or, 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 Keith, what's your four, you think, for tonight? When they, um, when they come I out? Um, you know, the game's coming on strong. Um, I'm just concerned about the overall uh, strength of the competition in their schedule. Um, so I'm not sure that what you usually see is what you get. It's hard to tell. Well, who you think the four will be tonight to start off with? Yeah, I think number four, uh, of course, you got to go one, two, Alabama, Georgia. Uh, number three, I would go in with uh, Ohio State. And then number four, Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame has one loss by one point to Georgia at home. Uh, outside of that, I mean, the running game is is uh, phenomenal. Uh, Winbush is finding his way as a quarterback. So uh, I think right now, week one, I, I, would, I would think those would be the four. And then to go a little further, five, five Oklahoma, six Clemson. Uh, I would, I, I would, uh, I like what you said. Clemson, Oklahoma, I would reverse that. Um, I think that since the Ohio State-Oklahoma game, I think Ohio State has gotten better and looked better. I think Oklahoma, um, they weren't that impressive when they beat Ohio State. To me, in fact, I said that, that I just thought that it wasn't how good Oklahoma was. It was how bad Ohio State was that day. Oklahoma didn't really impress me that day. And uh, they haven't since then. And uh, certainly... um, you know, I think the Buckeyes have gotten better. And so for those reasons, um, you know, Oklahoma in there, the top five, mm, they don't look that good to me. I would kind of go along with what you're saying. I, I, I think you're probably, I think the first four uh, that your man just picked are, are right on. Uh, Ohio State belongs up there because they knocked off the number two guy. Um, I still, yeah, I think Clemson's probably number five and looking for an opportunity to crack into the four. Now, I, I also think about, uh, you know, like you said, Notre Dame had beat, um, uh, Notre Dame had, had had the one loss to, to Georgia by one point. Georgia looks good, <laughs> you know, so uh, that, that that's quite impressive as well. So, um, I, uh, Georgia, no, the, Georgia is certainly going to be there. I think Georgia will be there at the end. The only problem is they got Alabama at the end of the season, and that's going to make it hard. But I think they deserve to be there. I don't think Penn State, that game against Ohio State, again, because I think Ohio State is so much better now than they were at the beginning of the year, um, I think Penn State's a good football team. I don't think they just drop out the pitcher. I just don't think they could make it based upon the scheduling, you know, the conference championship and all that stuff, and that loss to Ohio State. I'm not sure. But uh, certainly makes Interesting conversation for us. Yeah, I agree with you as far as Penn State concerned. They, their schedule was top heavy. They don't on the back end of their schedule. They don't really have a lot that could get them back up in the top four. So, have you seen what? Have you seen? Have you seen Wisconsin at all, Willie? What, what, what's good? What's looking good about Wisconsin? No, Wisconsin is Wisconsin. I mean, they they 
they're a ball control offense. They, you know, they run. They have no great massive offensive linemen. They typically do. Uh, the quarterback is, is playing well. So, I mean, that, that, and see, that's, that's what I mean as far as Penn State not having that on the back. And Ohio State right now is in the driver's seat. They potentially could have three ranked teams on the back end of their schedule, Michigan State. Then you'll have missed the team up north, and then you'll have a Wisconsin team waiting for them in the Big Ten championship game. So Ohio State has three opportunities to improve their resume. Back to Oklahoma, it's Bedlam this week. They play uh, at Oklahoma State, and I think that's a loss for Baker Mayfield and, and Oklahoma. So that's two losses. That pretty much takes them out of out of the conversation altogether. But but uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin is, is is a good team, and I think mm-hmm. you know they continue to win and. There uh, and Indianapolis waiting for Ohio State, and that's another uh, feather in the cap for the Buckeyes. Well, there, there's a team out there floating around that's had some pretty impressive wins, and that's uh, Iowa State University, of which you know we never, we very seldom hear much about that program, but they've got some impressive wins. But well, we're going to take it up to the next level, uh, guys, after this break. So we're going to take this break and come back and listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I mean, Finney's living like it matters, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Who do you feel the most important person is on a sports team? Is it the captain, the star player, or the fan? While it could truly be any of these individuals, more often than not, it's the coach. Listen for A Coach's Spirit with hosts Blake Rockwell and Kendall Allen. A Coach's Spirit offers a look into the human side of coaching and a chance to learn from some of the most impactful leaders in the game. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. What matters to me is my boys at the OH got it done. Uh, but we're going to move on a little bit, and we're going to talk a little bit about another one of those teams that is near and dear to my heart, and certainly to uh, my friend uh, on the line with us, Keith. Uh, Keith, uh, the Eagles right. took care of it this weekend. Yeah, they're looking real good right now. They're looking good and in a good strong position uh, as they're getting ready to go near the bye week. 
Uh, actually, they made a great trade today. I don't know if you heard it um, with Miami. They got another running back. Got, got another running. Got another running back, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, Carlton uh, has him. Uh, in a position where, uh, because of, they've been doing well in the passing game, I thought I was looking at Mike Quick and Harold Carmichael out there again. Got 80, <laughs> 87, and, I mean, 82 and 17 out there catching, making big plays. But uh, certainly, you know, it looks like all aspects of uh, the game are clicking for the Eagles and even the coaching. Uh, I think uh, those guys are doing a great job on the sidelines there as well, you know. Um, yeah, they are. Calling right plays Things are falling right, right for them right now. Things are falling right. Yeah, they, they are. Um, they are. Yeah. There's nobody really dominant. Uh, everybody's got some holes in their armor. And it, you can tell that both uh, Frank Reich and uh, Peterson are, are really giving some good advice to, to Wentz, and he's learning well. That's uh, what happens when you have two quarterbacks and your coaching staff that have played in the pros for some years. Yeah, I think I think it shows too in the development of of, of Wentz. Uh, he certainly um, is is very comfortable in the pocket back there. Uh, even when there are people around him, he's comfortable in his escapability, if you will. Um, there was a, a reference to a Randall Cunningham sighting uh, with the play that he made. Uh, of course, you know yeah. Randall. He won, you know, greatest quarterbacks of all time. Certainly spent some time there with the Philadelphia Eagles, making great plays like that, uh, having to escape the pocket. But uh, there, there was talk a while ago about quarterbacks being able to sit in the pocket. And I, for one, Keith, and I don't know if you, uh, you know, feel the same way, but I'd like to hear your perspective. I, for one, have never felt that a quarterback had to sit in the pocket. I think that any athlete should have every skill set in his arsenal that he would need to use and the ability to to escape a um, a blitz or a pass rusher the mobility the 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 awareness to keep your eyes down the field to understand what the play was that you called to know where your players should be at this particular time to already have scanned the defense and know where they're at I, I don't just believe in a pocket quarterback. I, I, you know, I don't know whoever came up with that, but to me, that's a liability when you got a guy who cannot outrun a defensive lineman and extend the play. And, and Car- Carson Wentz has the ability to do that. He can run away from a defensive lineman. He can, uh, you know, he can shuffle his feet from side to side you know, and get in the right position to throw the ball. And I think that's what everybody is appreciating about him uh, as we watch him perform. Absolutely. I mean, the game has changed, obviously, over the years. So the quarterbacking style has had to change along with it. Now it's much more of a passing game. If you're, if you're mobile, or if you have what they call the moving pocket, so that you're not a stationary target, if you can buy time in any way, whether it's move the pocket, whether it's use your legs, uh, in, in this kind of today's offense and defensive scheme at the pro level, the, you know, the offense does have the advantage, and it's, it's, a, it's a definite plus. Yeah, it, it, it is, no doubt about it. And uh, Willie and I have talked about this before, Keith. You know, a lot of it, in my opinion, has to do with the fact that uh, your defensive linemen, if they are 300 pounds, they're 300 pounds, but they can run. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> they're not, you know, the 300-pound guy that was 5'11 or 6'2, you know, who carried most of his weight in his butt and his, in his stomach, and he couldn't move. You don't have those guys anymore. You know, you got the tall, long guys, you know, 6'4, 6'5. You know, and, and they're long and they can run. They're, and they're very athletic. 
And I think that's caused for um, a different type of quarterback and uh, a different type of offensive lineman, too. And by the way, I think Peters went down, too. That we, we lost one of our key linemen. Am I right, Keith? Yeah, Peters is out for the year. Yeah, that, that, that's, 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 not, that's, that's not a good sign. Uh, you know, that's our, left, uh, that's our left tackle, I believe it is, of which uh, is probably, as they say, the most important position on the offensive line. I would care to disagree with that. I, I always feel that the center is the most uh, key person because the center calls all the, you know, he, he calls all the passing, uh, pass blocking um, for the offensive line. Teams, you're right. Yep, and he's... Yeah, and he's a he, lot of pressure he, on Kelsey he, right now. Right. He got, Kelsey has a lot more... Got to snap, snap that ball. You know, he's, he's got a lot he's got to do. So I, I always think it's the center because the center is like the quarterback, but, you know, he's on the line. So that's a little different. But they said that the left tackle, his problem is that he's up, a very, up against a very athletic person on the opposite side of the field. That, that's why, you know, it's so difficult for him because a lot of times the pass rush is going to come from the quarterback's blind side. So, you know, totally. that's, always, that's always a key for him. But um, also see my good friend Malcolm Jenkins out there making some plays too on the defensive side of the ball. Defense is looking, a little Ohio State guy. Yeah, de- <laughs> de- <laughs> defense is looking really good, though. You know, we've made some big plays. Our defensive line, hey, I think we got one of the best defensive lines in the league, you know. So uh, uh, me and these defensive linemen started getting along really well. Well, Jenkins and McLeod are, are a good tandem. They're working well together, and that's what's helping those rookie corners stay alive until they mature. Um, the defensive line is obviously our strength. Uh, we lost Hicks as a linebacker. Two Hicks is gone for the year. That's the only vulnerability they have on defense right now. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. I, I, I want to commend the guys, too, uh, because it, it appears to me that uh, even though there's been some distractions that's going on and the Eagles have been right there in the thick of things, not only – uh, the players, uh, Malcolm leading the way, Malcolm Jenkins leading the way with the players, uh, but but Jeffrey Lurie has had a presence uh, as well. So, uh, but they've still been able to, to hold things together, concentrate, go out and perform extremely well. Uh, I can remember a time where uh, there was a team that uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles to start off six and zero, lost quite a few games after that. Uh, but I think this uh, team has uh, performed as well as any team in. Maybe even in history, uh, I think what are they now seven and one. Seven and one, you're right. Yeah, so and, that and you're absolutely right. I mean, Laurie and Jenkins are both acting like professionals and respecting each other with all this other stuff that's going on, and that's to be commended. Yeah, and uh, and then there's another place where they call it uh, for some people who call it America's team, <laughs> although America's <laughs> right there in Philadelphia. Uh, so. Um, Started right there, so uh, I, I think we're handling things a whole lot different, a whole lot better than they are handling it. But uh, uh, how how are, how is the city of brotherly love treating the players, Keith, and the organization uh, as they address the issues of, of um, social injustice? Is it is it uh, is the city divided? Or are they supporting the team? What would you the what would you take? Supporting the team because the team right now is giving us obviously. Um, Just win, baby, huh? <laughs> they're giving us the wins. They're giving us what we're longing for. And like I said, I mean, they know that, you know, Philly knows what's going on. But like I said, uh, the, chief, the players and the ownership are treating each other with respect, and, and they're kind of keeping it 
away from the football. Well, I can say I, I'm, I'm one of those people. I had a chance to be in the city of Brotherly Love as a professional athlete, but as a human being. And uh, I came there in, in, in the 80, at the start of the 80, 81, and, and I was aware there was a time where the Philadelphia police was, oh, my God, it was terrible, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and they had a reputation, a national reputation. And then, of course, there was a, another incident. Of course, there was an incident that happened in the city of uh, Brotherly Love, um, when uh, Wilson Good was a mayor, and that was the move incident where there was a bomb dropped on a family. So uh, there have been some issues with the uh, with the police in the city of Philadelphia, and so it's certainly one of those uh, places where uh, the issues that the players are expressing concern about because of the communities that they come from. Uh, that is a city that should be actively involved. Now I don't know if there has been any murders or shootings by police of, of African-American young men in any recent times. But certainly there's been some issues of concern. Uh, I even had an issue myself when I played there for the Philadelphia Eagles. I was uh, stopped and falsely arrested uh, by the police. Um, but thank God I'm still here to talk about it. But uh, now I want to I, I want to commend, that's one of my teams back there, so I want to commend them for... Um, accepting the fact and the rights that we have as human beings and uh, allowing the guys the, their chance to speak up and speak out, uh, but do it in such a way that it's respectful and certainly do it a way where it's never been about disrespecting the flag or the military, those who serve. I got a lot of uh, friends out there. Uh, Coach Bill Butler, want to holler at you. You always follow me on Facebook. He and I were just talking this weekend. He served in the military for us. And uh, Coach will be up there, Carlo Dockery. Um, no disrespect to our to our officers, uh, only uh, or our soldiers, only to those people out there that have done things that are not according to the way human beings should be treated. So um, that's what I want to say, Keith. So uh, we got a big game coming up this week, Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, but before we go to Eagles, let me ask you about the Sixers, Keith. How are the Sixers doing? How, how everybody treating the Sixers there? Got a young, uh, two young yeah, men. They're trying, to get, they're trying to get themselves together. They're on a two-game winning streak. Yeah, and you got two young men there performing very well. B, uh, the big fella's doing, uh, he's doing well. And uh, and our, um, I think our off-guard is doing, two-guard, three-guard, uh, yeah. uh, three is Simmons doing well. Is, Simmons is showing Simmons, well. Simmons, right. Embiid's showing well. Um we got some hope. <laughs> it's, a pro it's, a, it's a process. Yeah, it, it's a process. And uh, too bad because, you know, this time of the year, I know I'm accustomed to the time when I was there, this time of year we'd be excited about baseball too. But uh, there's always next year. So uh, yeah. we're going to uh, let that one go. But, uh, hey, I appreciate you calling in, Keith. Uh, be sure to call us back next week if you want to. But we always welcome you in. And uh, uh, so I look forward to talking to you. All right. Appreciate the time. Take okay. care. All righty. Okay. All righty, so I think we got a couple more minutes before our next break. Uh, I don't think I need to break now, so um, we're going to keep going. So, um, well, no, I do need to break. So we're going to take a break, and uh, we'll be right back. This is the Rail Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at 1-2. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a 9-horse field, but really there are 7 donkeys and 2 zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. We're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. I want to thank my friend Keith for calling in out in the city of brotherly love. Always keeps me up to date on what's happening out there. And uh, now I'm back with uh, Willie and I going to chop it up a little bit about. We going to only talk about this for a couple seconds because, again, you know, um, I can't act like I, you know, they're not family to me because they are. And I'm talk a little bit about the Cleveland Browns, of course. Uh, but the Vikings took it to them again um, because somebody else took it to them the week before for eight weeks straight. You know, you 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 getting your butt whooped for eight weeks straight. You know, these are professional athletes, and I would guarantee that most of those guys that's on that team, there should be nobody on that team that ever lost. I doubt there's anybody on that team that played on the team that they went 0-8. You're a professional. If nothing else, they, they, they say it on any given Sunday. Which Sunday are you going to decide that you had enough? Go ahead. We'll take it over from there, man. What, what's going on with the Browns? Well, a couple of things. I, I think everybody on that team, they were 0-8. They were 0-15, 0-14 last year before they won the first game. So I think what it is, um, Ray, it's, it's not the players themselves. They do the they do the best they can. I'm not gonna say it's Hugh Jackson because it's it's, it's popular and it's easy, and, and I would almost almost say lazy to say, hey, it's the coach's fault. Well, I, I think we said earlier uh, last week when we talked about this, you can't give a self substandard ingredient and expect a five uh, a five star meal. I mean, it's it goes back to it's the law of the lid. It goes to the front office. And it goes to ownership. I'm, you know, I, you know, I'm going to agree with you on that one because I, I always feel like this. It's like, okay, I got to play with what you give me, and if I'm not making exactly. those decisions, if you're making those decisions, then if you know, I, I never forget I, when I was playing with uh, Wes Hopkins, uh, one of the greatest free safeties that ever played in the National Football League. If Wes Hopkins does not get hurt, Wes Hopkins is a Hall of Famer. Uh, shout out to my man Ronnie Lott, but Ronnie knows how West played the game. It, Ronnie knows that West got hurt. Um, Kenny Easley, shout out to Kenny too, but they know West gets hurt. West don't get hurt. West is right there with them. And uh, I remember we drafted a first-round draft pick. I think it was an offensive tackle from Indiana, I believe it was. And West was pissed. 
And I remember saying to him, how, man, what's up, man? What, you know, what's... And he was pissed because he felt like, man, that dude don't know nothing about winning. Wes hadn't even met him. Hadn't even seen him. Hadn't even, he hadn't come to the team yet. He was just pissed off at the draft for what we drafted. And he was like, man, they don't win. Oh, well, he don't know how to win. He, you know, and it's, 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 it's a culture. You know, I think I saw something on TV a couple of weeks ago, or maybe I saw it in the paper I read doing some research. And... They talked about, the, they showed the top five teams in the NFL, I'm sorry, top five colleges that currently have players in the National Football League. And all those schools that was up there, of course, you know, it was Alabama, Ohio State's up there, um, you know, some other big USC up there. But these are teams that win. Right. So they win. So their players are great players. So they go to the next level. They're great college players. You go to Pro football, you're good football, you're good players. Some of them become great in the pros, but they were great. When, you, when you're when in, in college, you're probably a great player. If you make it in the National Football League, you're probably a great player. So how do you go from being a great player to the entire team being terrible? I don't know how you do that. I, I just don't know how you do that. So even if those, I'm saying, I'm going to say this, that, yeah, you must be drafting the worst of the good players of the great college players. That's what the Browns are doing. They're, they're, they're picking up with the work. And I don't know how they're doing that because they got great draft picks. They got, you know, their spots that they're picking in there in the top five for the past, what, five, six, seven, eight years. And then here's what they're doing. They're, they're trading back to acquire more picks because they want to build a team, but they don't know. They're not executing properly the picks that they have well here's what i'm going to say to you when you when you pick when you acquire more picks your picks are more than likely lower into the draft which means okay then you're not getting the best players the best players are available at the beginning of the draft as you go further down the road the players according to you know statistics and you know analytics and all that stuff they're gone so then, you know, of the great players that are in college, there's very few of them left. And then your chances of getting, you know, one that's a sure fit, you know, you, you, you reduce your, your chances by trying to get more. Sometimes one is better than two. Exactly. And here, but here's the story today in Cleveland and, and Ohio regarding the Browns. It's not even the loss against Minnesota. I think people are numb to the Browns losing right now. I think it's just a inevitable fact in, in, in most people, my, most people's mind that they're going to lose. The issue now is Jimmy Garoppolo going to San Francisco and, and for a second-round pick, and here's why. Before a year and a half, everybody in Brown's town organization apparently was... The conversation so was about bringing Jimmy into Cleveland. So in love with Jimmy Garoppolo. Got to have him, got to have him, got to have him. Apparently made an offer at the, at the Combine Second round pick and some change was the reported offer that uh, Belichick clearly did not accept. And so he goes to San Francisco yesterday for a second round pick. So now everybody in Cleveland is up in arms on how this regime whiffed again on the quarterback. They go back to Carson Wentz. Well, here's what it is. You got to think about Belichick. Now, for me, I, I look at it like this. Uh, you know, Belichick is always, you know, you and I talked about the, you know, caught up in the moment. Uh, Belichick is always caught up in the moment. You know, I, I find it very hard to even think, even though he's aggressive, you know, when it comes time to trade deadlines, 
that that he looks at his future in this trade deadline. Most of the time, he's looking to improve his team in that particular year, meaning this year. Uh, Garoppolo, obviously, you know, getting rid of him was not for this year, but for but for the future. But the thing about it is, Belichick, he he wasn't trading that man to another team in the AFC. He wasn't going to do that. Exactly. You know, oh, so well, I don't I don't disagree with you at all. But just in, in Cleveland, in the Cleveland fans' mind. That's another strike against the organization. Yeah, but you can, that that's something that you don't necessarily control because you can't you can't make a man trade somebody off his team. You know, it'd right. be different if, if Garoppolo was was a free agent and he came to the Browns and the Browns couldn't make it happen. That'd be different. But in this case, you know, Belichick basically controlled his destination. You know, and could keep sure. him from going to different places. So, on that case, you know, I, again, I just try to be optimistic and fair, and and and. I'm gonna call it the way I see it. That part of it, mm, that that was that that was wasn't the Browns' fault this time around because I'm sure they oh, would. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure they probably, yeah, they probably would have went after. They probably would have went after him again. They probably had conversations with him. The thing about it is, at this particular time, I think the only reason why they did that is because you know they could try to do what they wanted to with Jimmy, and they they kind of played it out again on one of the big boy shows. You know, what they could have done is they could have put that franchise tag on him, but they probably wanted to use that franchise tag for somebody else. Instead of him, and so uh, the fact of the matter is, you know, he was gone. They got what they—he's gone. They got what they could get for him. Uh, but it, it makes me think about the Green Bay Packers, though, because one thing about what Coach said about Huntley was that he wasn't interested in anybody other than Brett Huntley taking over for Aaron Rodgers at this time, because he had put time into Huntley, so he knew what Huntley could do. So what I'm saying about Garoppolo, you know, leaving is that, again, I guess in the future, they know that Tom's going to be there next year, so Jimmy's not going to play next year for them. But he he wants to play now. He doesn't want to sit on the bench any longer. He wants to play football. And so... But what's, what's amazing to me is he's the great unknown. I mean, he's, you know, we, he's, he started two games, played one and a half games because he got hurt the second game that he started last year when Tom Brady was out. So everybody has this grand idea that Jimmy Garoppolo is the one. He's the next one. He's the guy. We don't know what he is. So now, now San Francisco is traded for him. That, and that's why I don't, I don't understand the, the, the ritual that, that Cleveland fans have against that organization for this one. Well, I would say in this particular case, I would say that he's been under the tutelage of, of Belichick. And, you know, he's been a, a mentee of Tom Brady. And I think that's a pretty good mix. And when, when, when we saw him play, he didn't play bad. Right. Played pretty good. So, so was Ryan Mallett. Ryan Mallett was the two, uh, under the tutelage of Bill Belichick and the mid-tier Tom Brady. So was Brian Hoyer. I mean, the backup quarterback. So how do we know that this guy is different? Well, uh, I think it's the way, again, the way Bill has been covering this man. You know, he's, 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 been, he's been in demand. He's, he's right. been in demand. People have seen him in the preseason. They've seen him play. The other guys they've seen in the preseason, they've seen them play, and, and again, people weren't after them on the door, knocking, waiting for them. Like you said, the Browns, you know, they were one of many that was after Jimmy, and so yeah, I, I can be wrong, yes I am, but I think Bill has pulled a Jedi mind trick on the NFL. We don't know what this guy is. Well, the kid, the we kid, the kid that's down in uh, with the Colts don't look too bad. Brissett. He, right. Yeah, he. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, in my mind, he, he's not playing much, much worse than than Andrew Luck. 
You know, Andrew is, you know, again, that ain't a surefire to me. Right, right. But again, I can go Jimmy, I can go Ryan Mallet. Ryan Mallet is the one. He was he held the clipboard for Tom Brady at one point two. Yeah. I mean, so you're, you're right about Ryan, that. And Belichick did the same thing. He held him, held him, held him, held him, held him, and then traded him at the last minute. So I know what it, I mean. Granted, he wins, so everybody thinks that's a win within the organization. He has to be great. Well, they missed two. They missed two on draft picks. Yeah, so you're right. How do we know? Yeah, we got to take a break, and then we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about Bill on the other side. He listen to Rail of Sports on. Oh, oh I'm sorry. That, this was the last segment. That went fast, real fast. So uh, it's going to have to be next week. Will, I'll check you next week, man. So I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.